When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to The Ordinary Black Professionals. I'm Nicole. And I'm Stefan. And this week we're talking about whether we would move to Barbados and we're also answering some of your listener letters. But before we do that, we're going to talk about the Instagram survey that we did around whether you would ask someone how much they earn or not. Yeah. And the results are interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Um, This was all based on our last episode which we titled, uh, Would You Ask Someone How Much They Earn? And we put that same question out on Instagram. And we got some interesting responses. Um, The question to, would you ask someone how much they earn? 31% of people said yes, they would. And 69% said no. Which I thought was an interesting result to that. Interesting, but I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised because I feel like most people. If I think of all the people, the number of people who have asked me how much I earn, yeah, that's obviously a very small amount compared to all the people that I know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So most people don't feel to ask that question. Mm. And then we had a second question: Would you tell people how much you earn? I think this was interesting as well because we got a fifty-fifty response to this yeah right yes, down the middle 50%, no right down the middle um which was interesting because the same people who responded no or yes to the previous question saying would you ask somebody else were some some of them swayed the other way when it came to giving out their own information yeah they were more it, happy to give information but it's easy happy to ask yeah the same information it's because it's easier to give out information like it's easier for you to just say how much you earn mm. than to actually ask somebody else because then it feels like you're asking somebody else a really personal question but you're happy to give out your personal information right what i found interesting was we asked people you know whether you vote like, why did you vote the way that you voted and people you know for the for the would you tell someone how much you earn that 50/50 split the responses people gave for giving their answer was, I don't mind sharing depending on why slash who is asking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they're more happy to share, but maybe if the person who was asking you was like your friend or something like that, then yeah, why not? And one of the responses for 
not wanting to ask how much somebody else earned was as a general rule it's none of my business which I think which I think is what it's most like, people yeah fair enough I think that's what most people think isn't it it's not really my business it's, so. like, you're, it's like you're delving into their personal business like yeah. how much do you earn yeah yeah but I, I know I stand by the importance of having to have those conversations and asking people those those things. Mm. Um, well, to somebody make sure else that you're not getting getting screwed, basically. Well, somebody else responded said, um, "If you don't ask, you don't get, and you risk on not being paid fairly if you don't ask that question." I agree. So they, I, I'm assuming this person probably said um, yes, they would ask somebody. Uh, how much they yeah. get paid but um yeah two different responses there but very interesting uh poll results on our on our last podcast yeah. episode and if you want to listen to that just go back and listen to our previous episode where we have a, a discussion on this topic yeah much more kind of in-depth discussion and if you would like to you know join in at any of the other polls that we have don't forget to follow us at ordinary black professionals so Let's just dive into the meat of our podcast episode. Mm. So I don't know whether our listeners are aware, but at the moment there is a 12-month visa that Barbados is is offering people Mm. where if you apply, you are able to live and work in Barbados. It's specifically for people who can work remotely Mm -hmm. and who sort of work for companies who are foreign, foreign companies to Barbados. Okay, so it um, can't be a Bayesian company. No, no, it can't be a Bayesian company. So you maybe an American company or UK company or Whatever anywhere, yeah. right, other than Barbados. And you can rem- work remotely and they will give you a visa to go and live there for 12 months. And this all came out of um, the... COVID. COVID, yeah. The, because Barbados is known for... I don't know if anyone knows, but it's, it's a very tourist... Yeah, it's like a very tourist-heavy island. And they wanted to make sure that with COVID... Um, and all the restrictions that comes with it, that they're still able to to kind of get money from from foreign from foreigners essentially. So mm. they decided to come up with this with this visa, which I think is a really good idea. I agree because who would want to work thinking. and live in Barbados? Yeah. So how much does it cost? How easy is it to apply? Can anyone apply, or is it? I I've taken a look at the website. Um, Barbados website and it seems anybody can apply as long as you meet the requirement of you can work remotely for a foreign company and um, and there's a fee to pay and apart from that you just have to make sure you've got your passport and all that other stuff and you could be eligible for a visa. How much is the fee? Um, The fee for an individual is 2,000 US dollars and you can also uh, work there and bring your family with you and if you want a family visa it's three thousand us dollars okay so in the grand scheme of things it's actually not it's not that much money it's not it's affordable it's affordable it's not 10 grand or anything like that yeah it's affordable it's, it's quite an expensive for a visa but you are there for a year minimum possibly and um you could apply to extend it into the following year i don't know how long this visa will be around for but um it is it is uh, possible to extend it. Okay. So the question is, would is that something we would do? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I saw this come up recently on um, Channel Four in the UK, and they have a program called Escape to Barbados, which you know caught my att- attention, right? And 
on that program there was a couple families and individuals that had traveled to Barbados on this visa yeah. and they showed their experience of doing it and it really got me thinking because I did I did notice this visa came out in about March something like that I noticed it when it was announced right mm. it, it made the news but um, I kind of ruled it out. I thought, oh. But now seeing these people on TV, I'm like, oh, what, what was I thinking? And if, if anyone has watched, <laughs> if anyone hasn't watched the show, yeah. I would highly recommend you watch it on Catch Up because yeah. they were selling it. You can find it on 4OD. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they were selling moving over to Barbados mm. big time. Mm. <laughs> um, there, was a, there was some very good benefits. There. there was some very good benefits. Warm weather being one I mean being able to swim in the ocean but what I found quite <laughs> interesting is well they didn't really talk about it in that much detail but I don't think any of the, the people who have decided to move over to Barbados that had ever been before yeah I, it didn't I didn't get that uh, feeling that they had they knew Barbados or no. they had any idea of what it's like over there no so I guess going back to my question would you do it or well, would we do it, should I say? Cause... Yeah. Um, I feel like the answer is yes. I really? Would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Okay, I wasn't expecting to say that. Yeah. And and I felt like maybe <laughs> earlier I would have said no. But after spending a whole year in this COVID pandemic, I would have been better off in Barbados. You know, but we've been through how many lockdowns and uh, restrictions and now we're getting cold weather and we're locked down and we're burning off our um, gas and electric and that sort of thing for heating. So yeah, but what we would might we, have been better off in Barbados, man. What would we have done with the house? <sighs> See, this is... So for the listeners out there, we, we, we bought our house, so it makes things a little bit more complicated because you're... You know we're more we're more rooted. We've got we've got an asset here, so it yeah. makes it things a little bit more difficult when you want to make those big decisions whether you're you know, well, to move some, country. I'm sure someone would say to you, just rent it out. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because you know, for the things that you want to do, you'll make it work. Or Airbnb or something like that. Yeah, I'm sure someone true. will say, oh, you can just do something like that. But you know, it is our like it is our step. home. That's and the to, thing. It's and to home. rent it out, it's a bit, you know. You know yeah, but we... I guess for a year in Barbados, that would be your home, and you would have to sort of let this go and maybe mm. hopefully come back to it in a good state. I don't know. So I, for those people out there, so I'm half Bayesian, half Jamaican. Um, so one of my parents is from Barbados, and growing up, I used to go to Barbados like every other year. So I'm, and I, and the last time I went was what last time last year January time so I'm very very familiar with the island and the culture and how to get around and all of that stuff so but I still I still don't know whether I'd want to live there mm, why since you know There's Barbados no <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how you'd get Netflix and well, the Netflix cult- is on the internet you probably get you probably get US Netflix over there. You get US Netflix. Probably. If if they don't have like their own um region, they'll probably just come under the US region. Mm, yeah. It's just a very different culture. And 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 the pace of getting things done is much slower as well. So mm. don't get me wrong, but Barbados is a beautiful island. I absolutely love going there. 
Um, and I don't consider it to be like going on holiday. I consider it to be going back home because I, I've gone there so often so many times but the pace on getting things done sorting out you know your driving license over there or open up a bank account or something like your finances it's a much much slower pace and so you have to be used to that and also you know over there they start work a lot earlier so people get up a lot earlier they finish work earlier they eat you know you don't have a I'm not saying this is the be or end all, but there's no such thing as like fast food over there, like a McDonald's or anything like that. I mean, they have a KFC, but there's no McDonald's at all. Their fast food is having a roti. Their fast food is having a roti. Yeah, and they have a chefette. How far? How fast can I get a roti? Very fast. <laughs> <laughs> so roti would be um. That'll take ages to get a roti. Like uh, how in do you Brixton? <laughs> roti is just like meat in a. In a wrap. Yeah. Roti is kind of in a wrap, but the wrap is filled with, isn't really nice, like it's flavoured and stuff. But yeah, so they, anyway, so, so yeah, they have a chaffette, which is like a drive through. Um, so you can get roti really quickly, but this, everything is just so different and things are expensive over there as well. Fish is expensive. Anything, can, if you know, anything that's imported in, it's going to be really pricey. Ice yeah, cream you know is what? super expensive. On that TV Ice cream show, over in the... they said that they import 80% of their food. Yeah. Which I was like, whoa, 80%. So it's the, a lot. The prices and stuff was very high. Yeah. And, and it they, is and high in the supermarket. The mm. Yeah. To get ice cream over there, like a tub of ice cream, not even a big tub, not like mm. a Wallace. Was it Wallace or Wool's? Wool's. Wool's ice, ice cream. It's like £12. That's no exaggeration. It's like an, like a luxury to have ice cream. It's Twelve so, pounds. Yeah, for a tub of ice cream. Mm. But it must cost them a lot to import, doesn't it? They have to keep it cold the whole way. But... I guess so. Oh. And also, Beijing people don't eat that stuff either. So they're so they're so like some of the they don't foods... eat ice cream. No, well, not say ice cream, but some of the foods that's imported is either a treat for the Beijians or they're catering for tourists. Really? Yeah. So what do they eat? If they import eighty percent of their food, what's I'm the, not. What's no, the... I'm not saying that. Ah. Uh. I'm saying that some of the food that's imported, like a okay. box of like Quality Street, for example. Right. Quality Street over there is, again, super expensive, like £10 or something. Right. But the base people, they're not spending £10 on Quality Street. They're either going to get people who are from the UK to come over and bring over like some Quality Street, or they're catering for the British people who now live over in Barbados who want a box of Quality Street just because yeah. you know, they want to have that as a treat. Yeah. So I don't know, it's just all of that stuff mixed with the culture. I don't know whether I could be there full time. Mm. But can't you... What about the benefits, though? Yeah, I mean, there's loads and loads there's, of benefits. I mean, these guys on this TV show, they were living... I think all of them were living close to the beach. But you yeah. say everywhere in Barbados is close to the beach yeah. anyway, right? Because it's such a small but, island. I mean, one family was literally on the on beach. On the beach. Like, they, the back gate was... The beach. Was the gate to the beach. Yeah. If I was going to move over, that's how I'd want it to be. But then that being said, if I was to move over, I'm sure I'd probably be encouraged to be close to my grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I want to. I'd want to be like open up my back door and walk straight into the beach. Mm. I mean, they look, made it look really attractive. I mean, there was a family, right? Like, was it two, two or three kids? Yeah. And parents. I think it's three kids. And um, yeah, the back. The, the kids just run straight out out of the back garden straight onto the beach into the sea and it was like paradise hot weather <sighs> amazing yeah amazing and there's another guy who 
um, in the morning, gets up early, and before he logs on for work, he just goes for a run on the beach. Yeah. And goes for a swim. And he said just his mental health. Can, can you imagine how Good that freeing and relaxing that would be? Just in the morning, just getting up and going for a run and a swim and, you know. From- I that agree. fresh air yeah. in your lungs. It's a fresh air. Yeah, that sea air. Yeah. And like now it's getting dark so early. Imagine just having all that that sunlight. Having all that mm, vitamin the D. Sunlight. Having oh. all that vitamin D just hit you. You know we black going people, back, we Going need back that to our true D. colour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our true me. dark skin selves. <laughs> Get too pale out here when it's, when it's, uh, it's the winter. winter. <laughs> can't handle it. Start cracking. You've got to keep layering up on that Isn't Vaseline. <laughs> on your loop. Keep keeping moisturized. That's another thing. When you're in those hot countries, like when I'm in Barbados, I hardly ever even cream. <laughs> can't know, because you're sweating all the time. You're sweating <laughs> and you don't, you don't need it. You don't need it. Like right now, I'll cream with coconut oil mm. everywhere. Mm. Over in Barbados, I don't need to put coconut Like I'll put a little bit of cream on, but it's not as heavy as what no, I need here. I definitely put much lighter layer because otherwise I'll, I'll sweat it out. Yeah. It'll start, it'll start like dripping off me. Mm. <laughs> Whenever I go to a hot country, it's like that. <laughs> there was also a mention that over in Barbados, they have very good internet, which is good because the guys are on the TV show are working remotely because that's yeah. what I worry about, right? I need to work remotely. I work in IT. I need to be doing uh, video calls and that sort of thing with with um, my team members and customers and that sort of thing. So need to have a really good internet. And they seem to have it. They've got 4G. So why so, stuff. so why why did we never do it then? Why did we not do it? Because it's easier said than done, isn't it's it? It's easier to pack said up than your done. whole life and move over there. And even if work gave us the go ahead to do it, Maybe, maybe that was a possibility. Maybe, maybe work would have allowed us to do it because mm. we've got American offices where we work, so we could have been on the American time zone. But um, at the end of the day, we're still packing up your entire life and moving away from family and friends. There was an argument to say that, well, how how, how often have you really seen family and friends this year? Exactly. Because it really has not been often at all. But it's still packing up and moving. The good thing is, though, with Barbados is they are letting in people from the UK to fly in. Like, they haven't locked off their borders. Oh, really? Mm. But when you get over there, you have to I think it's quarantine. quarantine. Yeah, yeah like... you have to quarantine in, like, a government, um, a special government, either building or hotel right. for 14 days. And they test you in those 14 days to see whether you can go out into the wider mm. like, world. Yeah. One thing I did notice, though is that with this TV show, it gave us a little glimpse of kind of what it could be like if you if you did choose to go there. Mm. And these guys were facing the type of problems that you would see. And one of those is that you would have gone there and you don't have any friends. Yeah. There. If you don't have any friends, I mean, you know, my friends are here where I grew up. But then, but then I feel so, like, but you know people, you know there's some people there's some people, there yeah, they can who always mingle have with anybody. Friends. Yeah, like... They can go into any environment and they're either just so likeable mm. or they're just really good at just putting themselves out there. I feel like you'd have to just put yourself out there to make friends. Yeah. I don't know where you would go. Mm. Like, other than the obvious gym, church. Yeah, that's, that's the only ones I can think well, of. Well, bars gym and, church, and clubs. Bars. Yeah. Yeah. Then 
don't know what else, but you you would have to really be an outgoing person, I think. Yeah. To do that, and I feel like maybe um, one of the people on a TV show wasn't that outgoing in order to go out there and meet random people and, and yeah, because there was a couple and, and that went over relationships. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple that went over, and the woman said. Oh, you know, I'm gonna. You know, it's gonna be hard for me to make friends. Blah blah. It's just gonna be me and my husband, and the husband was working. But in a way, that's kind of how it is now. Like, look at me and you. Which is us two at home every day. Yeah. And during the last lockdown, you know, we didn't. We stuck to the rules. We didn't go out and see people that we. You know, we, we 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 did what we we were told to do. So it's kind of that same, you know, if you go over to Barbados, it could potentially be that same thing for a few months where you're just at home with your partner. You think so? Did they have lockdown over there? They did, yeah. And yeah, they did have lockdown. When was it? In when we had our first first lockdown, Around that they time. had theirs, yeah. And in actual fact, what they did, because remember the islands, it's an island and yeah. the population, not many people who live there. Um, they, you could only shop on particular days, mm. like go do a food shop on particular days, and the way they decide that is your surname. So it's your like surname. everyone who has their surname from A to G is on Monday, let's say, and then G to I don't know, N is on Tuesday, and that's how they did it. Right. And then, and then they say they divided up that way. And then they said, if you're over sixty, then you get to you can go on a on a Friday. So my grandma, my grandparents over there could shop twice a week because they fell into the over sixties right. or over seventies category, and then the the surname as well. Right. So that's how they were able to kind of stagger it. And then they had a curfew as well. Mm. And all that stuff is lifted now. Yeah, I believe so. Right. So would we apply for the visa? Are we off to Barbados mm-hmm. next January? Are we going to put the application in? <laughs> if, you're, if you're putting that pressure on... I'm not, I'm not putting any pressure on. That is pressure. That's <laughs> no, like, I'm just saying. <laughs> that's like, um, oh, we got, we're applying then. Hmm. The listeners want to know. You know what? I said, yes, I would do it. But to actually go and do it is a different. This is like a different <laughs> question. It's like a different pressure. Um, I don't know. It's a big decision. I feel like I think like a lot of those people they left their friends and family. Yeah. And I think in some of their cases, their friends and family weren't happy about it. Like, but for, for me, it's a no. It's a no. It's a no. Why? Because I don't want to. Why not? I don't want to leave my I don't want to leave my friends and family and all that other stuff. I don't want to have I also don't want to have that awkward conversation with work. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just like yeah. I just don't want to do it. That's true. I mean, obviously, I'll work. have a conversation to be like, oh, well, can I actually move to Barbados? Because you'd have to agree that you now work with the US team, mm. and I'd have to do the same. Yeah, that affects the project that I'm on at the moment because I'm working with people primarily in the UK, so how will that work now working on the american time zone and then um what do we do with the house yeah i mean it's like it's like it's like it's like stress that's what i view it as Mm. it's like extra stuff to think about unnecessarily and maybe it could lead to a better quality of life but 
So you might have to go through that stress in order to get to that peace. Yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I think I'm good just to do a two-week, you know, trip to Barbados sometime next year. Then a 12-month live in Barbados. And the thing is, you have never even been. So you'd no. be signing up to something that you don't even know nothing about. Yeah, but I've been to Caribbean islands before. Maybe okay. it's slightly similar, I would hope. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I feel like it, for you, it'd be a proper, like, big step into the unknown. Hmm. You know, the upside is that we like, you know, there are people that we know, or that I at least I know over there. So it's not, we wouldn't, we would never be totally alone. Hmm. So now we're going to move over to our listener letters. So as we do every week, we ask you to write in to us with your dilemmas. And we have a few to share with you right now. So I'll just dive into the first one. Um, And the writer has asked that we leave, um, we make them anonymous. So the question is, I want to ask my colleague how much she earns, but I don't know how to ask them. Any ideas you'd recommend? That's a good one. Since we did talk about it last week. Yeah. Um, wait, do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll start to give you some yeah. uh, thinking time. Um, so I, I would kind of suggest two things. <clears throat> the first one being just to ask her directly. Just be straight up. Earns. Just be straight up. So what? I'm just going to walk up to you and be like, how much do you earn? Pretty much. I mean, not as not not just in the middle of the office, but let's say if you were in the office, I'm assuming this is someone that you have a like, you know, you speak to semi regularly. If you have a one to one meeting with them, or if you're having lunch, just be like, oh, you know, I would just love to know if you feel comfortable how much you earn. I earn X. So you just blurt yours out and hope they give that back, <clears throat> right? If yeah. You just blurt it well, out. I know somebody who um you know they just messaged directly and said this is how much i am just out of the blue what mm. they just messaged them mm. what, what is there any context to that message i don't think so just i uh, so what what's that supposed to mean if i receive that message i'll say okay well, yeah no but they did oh i earn x how much do you earn well <laughs> So you could, oh, I'm just giving ideas out here. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I mean, you can just go direct. Yeah. Okay. This, this this is not something that I've done before, but it's an option. Or you can kind of, you know, get in the conversation around salaries. Talk about, oh, it's pay review coming up or, oh, have you seen how much so-and-so is getting paid or, oh, so-and-so's left their job for more money. Somehow, you know, bring, slip in salary into conversation and as you guys are talking more and more about pay you can then kind of say oh well oh I earn this much how much do you earn well they sh- you can bring it into the conversation and you'd be you'd, you sometimes you'll you can be surprised that when you start talking about salary how open people can be I've had this year I've had people tell me their salary and I've not even asked they've just told me and we, we we've been you know organically talking and about did you salary. tell you and you did you tell yours back? No, not always. This is I don't get it. 
Why are they telling you? <laughs> just so random I, out of the blue. Because because we're just having a conversation about salary, and they'll they may oh, you know, right. one particular guy will talk about salary, and he goes, "Oh, I don't mind telling you how much I earn. I earn X." Okay. And I was like, "Oh, okay." Okay, okay. I mean, another time was at a, a party where the person I was speaking to had a bit too much to drink, and they told me how much they earn. Okay. I, I didn't ask. Okay. I wasn't. I didn't even. That wasn't on my mind. That person's salary. I didn't well, even think about I, it. I think this person saying that um, they want to ask their colleague, right? So I'm There's assuming. There's a reason behind that. No, I'm assuming that they work in a similar type of area, and so what I would probably do is bring a bit of context to the question. I would be like, I'm trying to understand whether I'm paid, you know fairly or in the same bracket as my colleagues here and I'd um, I'd like to maybe just share my salary and my bracket and maybe you can give me an idea of, of whether you're in the same bracket or what salary that you're yeah. maybe just being sort of straight up just be straight up with people like that. and but they will that, that will give a little bit of context <laughs> to say look I'm trying to find out so that I can understand a bit of context rather yeah. than being nosy, nosy. because if you just say what's your salary that's just nosiness that's just like why are you asking me that for okay yeah that's true right? that's true to be honest with you the most of the times when i've had a conversation with people about salary it's not because they, you know it's not nosiness it's more of a, there's a reason that i want to know and it's because i'm going up for my pay review or something like that hmm. so yeah if you're upfront and candid with the person and just say exactly what you said steph you know i'm looking to my pay reviews when i see if i'm being fairly paid whatever it may be um, and, and speak to your colleague about that. I'd probably say it's better if you know to make sure you have a, a decent enoughish relationship with that person. I'm not going to walk up to somebody that I speak to once a year and ask them what their salary is. Right. Like I'm not going to do that. So I would suggest that if you don't already build up a relationship with that colleague first before you ask them. Um, and probably yeah, don't do what I said as as to being really direct and as to <laughs> try to try to bring it into the conversation. Yeah, but okay, so that's my advice. I, I would say give a bit of context and go in softly with the uh, question. Yeah, go in softly. I uh, I hope that I hope that helps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> message us back and let us know how you get on. So our second question is. I'm currently in a big organization and have been there for five years. I've had a great time there, but I feel like I should move on and try something new with more responsibilities. So my question is, how did you, Nicole, find your move to a smaller consultancy? And my second question is, should I move to a smaller consultancy, which is predominantly white? So uh, that first bit of your question how did I find the move to a smaller consultancy? Uh, I guess I'll pick that one up. Um, I found the move to, for me personally to be really good. I moved to a consultancy that had, you know, hundreds of thousands of people globally to where I'm at now that has, you know, over, just over a hundred people. So a massive, massive change. As I said, you know, that, that, that change has been really positive. I've got more responsibility. I like the fact that it is a, you know, a relatively flat organization. I can contact the CEO if I want to and have a meeting with him um, or any of the directors at all. And, you know, the more responsibility that I get at work, 
um, I like that and it's been good for my career. Yeah, I think this person said they want to move on and try something with more responsibilities and a small consultancy could well give you that because you've got so much um, work that needs to be done and there's less people around and so you could move on and move up the ladder a bit yeah. quicker and that sort of thing. But then ask me, how did I find the move? How did you find the move? Go ahead. So I, I, I think... I liked all of that stuff, yeah. but I found it quite daunting and scary because when you're in a big company, you can kind of hide. It's easy for you just to blend in, you know, like be a, oh, like yeah. a chameleon. It's very, you don't actually yeah. need to like be at the top of your game all the time because if you're in a, if you're in a, um, on a, on a project with a lot of people for on a bench and there's like a hundred people on the bench, you can kind of get away with get away with it but when you're in a small consultancy especially one that's as small as mine you've only got you know 120 odd people whatever it is there's no room to hide you know you're in a company where everyone knows who each other is everyone knows each other's names mm. everyone knows how you're performing if you've performed badly on a project word will get round yeah will be word aware. can spread quickly fast. quickly and 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 sometimes, well, I'd say a lot of the time, perception is more important than what you actually deliver and your quality of work. I mean, so if the perception that's of a very you good point. You're poor, I think we should be talking about that uh, maybe in another episode as well. But perception, it for me is probably more important than even the work that you do. Yeah. The quality of your work and everything. Perception is the, probably the most important thing. And perception is a thing that gets you pay rises and promotions. Yeah. If people perceive that you're just the Don. Yeah, even when you're not. Even when you're not. Out here, <laughs> out here, out here dropping gems, even yep. when you're not. So, yeah, so I would say if you're going to move to a smaller consultancy, just be aware of the fact that it can feel, you know, you don't have that buffer around you and you can be quite exposed, um, which can be quite shocking coming from a big company. And I'd also say be really prepared for the level of autonomy you're going to get. And I think you hear that a lot of the time. Oh, you move to a small company, you get loads of autonomy and all the other stuff. But you really, really do. So really get prepared to kind of step into that. Um, mm. Step you've into that and take it on. You've got to pick up your own yeah. work and you've got to run with it. Exactly. And you'll notice, what well, I noticed at least, when I moved to my company, the people, the graduates who are there or people who had been there for years and years, they were just so used to owning things, running things, speaking to senior people. It was just like nothing to them. Mm. So when I moved into where I am now, I always found it really weird that you could just walk over to the CEO and have a conversation with him. Mm. Or like the CEO would say how much he earns. Like the fact that it was just so transparent transparent, and that it was such a, a flat hierarchy, I always found really, really weird and really shocking. And so I would say if you're moving into a company like that, just be aware of just how different the culture can be because it is, it is quite a shock. And I know other people who have come from big companies like KPMG, Deloitte, EY, and they've gone to a much, much smaller company. It does feel like a shock to the system because it is just so open and it is just so transparent. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah, what I would say there. Maybe one other thing as well is you have to be prepared for the type of work that you're going to do. Because in mm. a big consultancy, they will have lots of projects and huge customers and clients. And so the option and the choice of work that you'll get 
is broad. Yeah. Right. And, That's something and global that I didn't sometimes. consider actually yeah. when I moved that I wouldn't be working with, you know, the big, big companies, the FTSE 500 companies. I mean, you can still work for the FTSE 500 <laughs> companies, right? There's no doubt about that. These smaller consultancies will work with them. It's just they won't have as much quantity of work. And so the number of roles and, and options available to you of what you can do will be reduced. Yeah, and, 100%. And, and you may find yourself doing the same thing again and again sometimes yeah. because that's and, the type of work they sell yeah definitely and you may find that you're unable to specialize in a certain industry because it just doesn't have that kind of it doesn't have the diversity of projects or as or as many projects you know like some companies some consultancies they'll have an fs um kind of section and then like a, a telecommunications one or a energy and gas because they've got so many clients that they work with that sit under fs or so many clients that they work with that sit under energy and gas and you may not find that they that in those smaller companies they work with hsbc barclays tsb nationwide like you don't have that full long list it may just be one small kind of like fintech type company that you're working with yeah um, and then the second part of the question, should I move to a smaller consultancy which is predominantly white? In my opinion, if you're moving to a smaller consultancy, regardless, and this is based on me being in the UK and what I know of the UK, it's most likely going to be predominantly white anyway. Um, and if you're looking for... Um, that level of diversity, you're not going to get it in a small consultancy. Um, you're going to have to look at the larger uh, companies, the ones that are doing multi-million deals and that sort of thing. That's the place where you're most likely to find diversity. And even in those companies, you're not guaranteed to find diversity. Yeah, so agree. you kind of have to look at it, not just from a predominantly white thing, but you have to, when you interview them, you've got to really talk to the people and get a sense of what they're like, whether they are um, accepting people, people who accept people for their differences and what they're like, and whether they are the type of people who are maybe stuck in their ways a little bit or do a routine that is not inclusive or considers others and, and their differences. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I so it may be, I mean, it, it's going to be predominantly white regardless, but um, consider the people for the Who way they, they spoke to you yeah. in the interview, right? So when you, when, you, when you talk to them, try to talk to as many people as you can in the company and listen to, listen carefully to the way they address you, the way they talk to you, the, the looks that you get. And things like that because i've had many different interviews and i've had many different feelings walking out of different companies and as i can tell you uh, there's a good list of companies that um whether i got the job or not i wouldn't work there mm, i know i agree i agree and you know if that's a concern of yours working somewhere that is predominantly white and potentially not being you know feeling included or being treated equally you know <laughs> don't feel you know feel trying to 
feel comfortable having that conversation with your future employer not not necessarily kind of saying oh I don't feel I don't know if I want to be here everyone's white but just being like okay so what's your diversity what's your approach to diversity and inclusion like what's your strategy on this and and listening and hearing what what people say um and you know whether it's a case of you know are there any black or um Asian I don't know what background you are but are there any people who is a similar background to you that you can talk to in the company and hear their perspective on on how things are um all of that I think will will make a difference and exactly what Stefan said you know even if you know the company could, could be predominantly white but be extremely inclusive and be extremely kind of aware welcoming. of and welcoming That's yeah the word I was looking for. it's it's welcoming um it's not necessarily that if someone is if the company is really super diverse that they're welcoming or they're going to give opportunities to 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 you so you want to be looking for other things than kind of having that that racial diversity in the company i mean i, I 100% think that's important but it's not the only thing that that should make up your decision as to whether you go to that company or not. I mean, if I give you an example myself, when I was looking to leave my old company and I was doing interviews, for me, that was something that was really important. That I worked somewhere that was quite um, ethnically diverse. Um, and I was interviewing at a company and I actually, and I was speaking to, to different people at that organisation and I actually asked the question, to to the guy I was speaking to you know how you know what's your what is your uh how does your leadership look like is it predominantly men or do you have you know women in leadership positions um and then do you have you know women who come from an ethnic minority background and I asked that question really openly and I looked to see how he responded to that question that I answered asked and because he was quite open and honest and he didn't flinch or anything mm. he was quite receptive that told you me face a to lot face? about yeah face to face and so and did you you was watching his him. body language yeah you, you pay attention to the body language that's what i would say yeah definitely. definitely pay attention that that told me everything i needed to know about certain companies yeah for sure and he actually introduced me to somebody at the company who worked there who is black a black woman so we could have a conversation I can hear about her experiences so again that openness to you know wanting to 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 have that conversation showed me a lot about that company and then I've interviewed at another company for example um and every I had about five rounds of interviews and every single round I just got interviewed by men and I was, it wasn't just me and one other person. It'd be like, my interviews were like me and two other men or me and at one point three other men at different points interviewing me. And I said to the recruiter and to the company that was interviewing me, do you not have any women? Because I've got five, this is my, you know, I'm on my fourth round now and I've only ever, so I've, I've just finished my fourth round. I'm going on to my fifth and I've only ever spoken to men in the organization. Mm. I was like, where's your women? Where's your senior women? And then they rallied round to find me the senior woman. Uh, and then, the and I, well, I, I actually spoke to three women. Mm. I spoke to one who was based not in the UK um, in London, it was based kind of North, I think North, um, in the north of England, another woman, a young woman, I spoke to kind of face to face, and then my final interview was like a female, like director or something. 
and you know the woman was saying to me oh we do have women you know blah blah, blah. I, I know this is a con- like this is a, this is important for you just want to let you know that we do have women who are in consulting and it's really hard to get uh female consultants in senior positions because you know the industry requires you to be uh, mobile and move up and down the UK and people women tend to have kids and that you know, um, sometimes some women feel like they want to you know, be be close to where their children and their family are and all this other stuff but I just found it really really interesting that it was only because I said where's the women that they then were able to find a three out of the woodworks mm. if I had never said that I probably would never even have been interviewed by any any woman so it's all that stuff like really just all of that stuff gives you a sense of what that company's like and for me at that stage it kind of told me everything that that wasn't necessarily the company for me because again you weren't thinking about making sure that you have diversity through the interview stages like that that says a lot to me Mm. um so it's like to take everything into consideration yeah not just necessarily whether there's white people in the in the in the consultancy it's important but there's so many other things when it comes to diversity and inclusion, that is just as important. Mm. And maybe so. one tip as well. Uh, what I do sometimes is if I'm considering to go work for a company, I will check that company on LinkedIn. On that company, you can see a list of all the people who work there. Yeah. You can see the, the countries that they're from. So you can sort of have an idea of percentages of um, background countries that they're sort of from. And you can also see a list of like who is employed there and you can see the pictures and just give a glimpse of, you know, a run through of the type of pictures. And mm. if you see the same kind of uh, skin shade, then you kind of know what you're going to find Yeah. when you go there because you don't want to go there blind, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed those listener letters and our thoughts on whether we would move to Barbados or not. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll probably end it there. Yes. So we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. 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 If you have any questions or dilemmas, email us on ordinaryblackprofessionals at gmail.com or we can be found on Instagram and Twitter at ordinaryblackprofessionals. Also, don't forget to follow us, subscribe, and leave a rating and comment. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.